0: Yesterday, I ordered $33 worth of McDonald's breakfast. I don't even like McDonald's breakfast. I ate two orders of hotcakes. I mean, I was insane.
1: I love those hotcakes. No, I love the hash like browns. I don't out. like
0: their hotcakes.
1: I mean, the hash browns like is brands. what I meant. Oh, yeah. oh the hash, hash, hash browns.
0: Coffee. Yeah. they're
1: and
2: my like-
0: least favorite. They're so greasy.
1: Yeah, so. the, the best And <laughs> yeah, I like sausage and
2: cheese McMuffin. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. With hash I like sausage, cheese, egg McMuffin.
3: I get,
0: I
1: get it I
3: without
1: know. the sausage. I also and like their
3: biscuits. It. The burritos. We don't have too. the biscuits here. This should be our episode. <laughs> Let's just keep going. It's been a while since we've gone on about food for an yeah. hour. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with No Reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation.
1: Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight, we are chatting about medication. We're going to do a deep dive into our experience with medication. We've had a lot of people ask us to talk about this topic on numerous occasions, and we're going to do like a little meds throwdown over here on the podcast. Tonight, I have Kim McIsaac. Hello. Jamie Ramos. Hello, Rachel Flanagan, hey everybody, Jen Dunn,
0: hi everyone,
1: and I am Tabitha Cabrera. So first we wanted to start just by saying that medications are an individual choice for your kid. Some people have very high success with medication, other people do not have success with medication. It really depends on your kiddo and their body processing meds and trying different things. So whatever choice you choose, this table does not have any judgment one way or the other. If you use meds, we're glad that works for you. And if you don't, that's okay too. We thought we would start out with Kim, who has kind of the longest journey of dealing with doctors for her children at this point. What has been your experience with trying different medications? And there's a couple of different brackets for you. You have seizure medication, which is different. Than kind of like a sleep med or a mental health component. So what does that look like for Alyssa?
2: So I'm just going to start off by saying because of my own mental health, which I have severe anxiety, it makes me really almost paranoid about side effects. I overanalyze everything. So things deter me because I get nervous about stuff. So First off, the first time we were offered meds for Alyssa, she was three years old and they offered her. At that time, they said the only medication that they do for autism is Risperdal. She had a lot of aggression. She was three and I went home and I saw the word antipsychotic and I said, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. The word alone like freaked me out. She was so little and, you know, just a baby still. And I just, I didn't want to do that. I saw lots of different side effects that scared me. They also offered at one point to um, put her on Ativan because she does have extreme anxiety, but I got the script, never filled it. And the thing with Alyssa is it's very challenging to get medication in her. So it's not just the hump of me kind of mentally processing and like being like, okay, we're going to do this. She is very, very smart when it comes to things like knowing things that she shouldn't know. She's extremely perceptive and I don't care what you do, how you hide it, she knows. I mean, we used to have to like tackle her to get Tylenol in her and half of it would come up. The only time I end up having luck was through puberty, which she got a lot of headaches. And she eventually realized that if she took the liquid motion, it would only be liquid because she would immediately know if something was crushed inside something. She would, she would just immediately knows by like you are going to go to give her something. She's like, nope, she, like, she won't do it, even if it's something that she loves. So she realized with the headaches, when she took the Motrin, the headaches went away. So for a while, she would take Motrin. So that was the only kind of medication we gave her for a while. And then she ended up having seizures. So she had her first seizure at 14. And we went through a kind of year of going back and forth with her, definitely happening. So it was like four months, three months, two months. And then they were like, okay, well, we got to put her on medication. So we thought liquid would be best because she took the liquid motrin so she did take the seizure medication don't ask me how why that it just she just accepted it and she took it it's just like one of those unexplained things you know she still takes it to this day with no problem if i were to give her another medication liquid she, she would not take it if she's used to this one she knows the way it looks she knows the way it tastes and they're very funny about um they don't like to mix seizure medicine with other stuff. So it's not like we don't really have the option of mixing other medication into that medicine, which is like the only realistic way I could probably get medication in her. She ended up having COVID 2021 and, you know, she had a fever and this is when COVID was scary. And, you know, I was afraid, you know, what if she passed into to the hospital? We got to get this medicine in her. And she, I mean, she screamed bloody bloody murder i think one of you guys ladies even heard it It was it was brutal we coaxed her into taking it but you have to coax her for like two hours she eventually will do it but it's her anxiety and her brain just perceives it as a threat and she doesn't want it but then she wants to take it because she wants to do what you're asking her to do so it's just this whole back and forth thing we eventually bribed her with candy which years ago wouldn't work because she didn't understand enough to be like, oh, I can have this candy if I take this medication. And she wouldn't even care. She'd throw candy right in your face. Like it wouldn't, like, you know, she literally has done that. I'm not even joking. Um, But now she's like, damn, I want that candy. (laughs) (laughs) It did work. It's worked a couple of times, but it doesn't always work. So it's just Oh, she's just so fickle. The amount of patience it takes to go through this for two and a half hours, like I just, I can't even, I mean, my husband usually tag off because then he just starts to get frustrated and, you know, and then we're getting like a half of a child-sized dose of child and she's like a full-blown adult. So as she has gotten older, her anxiety and rigidity and her control issues have really escalated. That's the only kind of pot that's getting a little worse where everything else has seemed to get better. So I think that she could be developing OCD. I know I've mentioned this before. The doctors say, "Oh, it's just autism, but it's so much more intense than it ever was before. So like, I don't know why that is. So they want to tackle her sleep because she doesn't sleep. She wouldn't, well, she did take melatonin. We had these little chocolate ones, but they didn't work. They want to tackle the sleep and they think that this, that will, like kind of help everything all around which obviously it does help your mood it does help different stuff personally I think we should tackle the anxiety because maybe if she was less anxious maybe that would help the sleep but I'm not the one with the degree so before you go down that route what did you have to do for the like to
1: take her to get the idea to tackle the sleep like who did you see and what
2: What's so we we brought her to a place that does take adults and children. We were referred to a psychologist. We had to go through like a, basically a huge, we did do a neuropsych, but that was separate from the psychiatry pod. But you know, they just ask you a billion questions. They actually made me get Alyssa. They wanted to ask her questions. And I was like, yeah, like she's nonverbal. She can't really answer questions, but they, you know, wanted to try. So I let them try.
1: This is the part I find fascinating. Like they were trying to do like a collection of information on mm-hmm. her. And then they're like, we want to ask her the questions. <laughs> like, yeah, they okay. want to ask
2: her. And I'm like, yeah, like she really can't answer questions. Like, you know, she does have some words, but she can't yeah. answer questions and she's not gonna really probably know what you're saying. And she's also not really gonna want to talk to you. But sure. So we brought Alyssa over and Alyssa was just like screaming and yelling and like, you know, and they're like, Oh, okay, you know. Thanks. So now she's going to be screaming in the background. Answer, for the. Bye. Yeah. It's just so frustrating when they, they won't listen to you, but so, yeah, so we did all that. We had a follow-up after that. And then they wanted to put her on clonidine, which is a sleep med, which I've heard a lot of great things about. And we had to find a way to get it into her because she, obviously we can't crush up a pill and put it in something. Cause she will immediately know we can't put it in her seizure medicine. It's a very low dose that you sat with that doesn't come in. It does. You can get it liquid compound but not for that low of a dose so we had to do the pill and we we were able to get it in her by uh, putting in her drink of course like we've really been working on independence this past year or two so we're really working on her like going to the fridge and getting her own yogurt and her going and making herself chocolate milk so like now it's like even like harder to sneak stuff because she's like why are you giving me this why do you want me to have chocolate milk right now no I'm not gonna have it but the yeah. only time we do get her a drink is with dinner. So my husband was putting in her drink at dinner, but it did not help her sleep. It made her very tired, but she didn't have the relief of being sleeping on it. Um, and she got very moody and she started to get dark. And, um, you know, I know some of you will understand what I mean by this, but when Alyssa gets like this, it's a, I can feel it. I can feel the change in her. It's just a vibe and it's not a good one. She put her hands on my niece. She's never done that ever. My niece lives with us. She can be intense. <laughs> I'm sure Alyssa has wanted to put her hands on her before, but she's never done it. She's yelled. She's grabbed stuff out of her hands. You know, they've had their little tussles, but Alyssa has never, ever put her hands on her. And while she was on this medication, she put her hands on her. And that just showed me how out of control it was probably making her feel her whole aura was different, her face, everything. And, you know, I had kind of called them and their thing was to up the medication. So I was like, okay, I really wanted to give it a try. I want to give her the relief. She deserves to have that regardless of like my mental health. That's telling me, you know, like that's worrying about like, you know, she can't tell me if it's bothering her. She can't tell me the way she feels like those are the things I really worry about with medication. She's nonverbal and it's a lot different. She can't necessarily like tell me how she's feeling. I was like, we're just gonna give it a chance a little bit longer. But I think that she was so exhausted because it was definitely making her tired. Like she was going into her room earlier than normal, but she wasn't sleeping. So now she was just more tired. I was just like, we gotta take her off this. This isn't helping her. This is making things worse. Now she's miserable, she's not happy. If Alyssa's not happy, nobody around her is happy. It's not something that's worth compromising to me. Like, yeah, it sucks that she doesn't sleep well. But honestly, she's been doing this since she's been two years old. She's generally in a good mood, majority of the time, even though she doesn't get a lot of sleep. So I'm not willing to compromise her happiness. And then they were like, oh, no, you have to give it to her. You have to do this and double down and take it away. And I was just like, I'm not doing any of this bullshit. And we just stopped it. I mean, I'm not necessarily recommending that, but she had already missed like two and a half doses. So like, it just didn't make sense to then go back and give it to her more to taper her down. So we just, we stopped giving it to her. And after a couple of days, she was back to herself. And we do still want to try an anxiety med. Like I kind of like missed the last follow-up appointment and stuff. So I do want to try that for her to see if that could help her. It's hard with some kids that have autism, their bodies, their brains don't process anything the same food, the same medication, the same. So we didn't haven't really had too much luck, but I can't really say we have really given it a thousand percent either because, you know, I do I get nervous, it was clear that it wasn't working well and I wasn't going to keep up on the dose because that wasn't I also don't want like I don't want her being drugged either so like that's the thing it's like trying to find that happy that medium of like finding a medication that can help them but I don't want to just drug her like I just don't want her to be like a zombie I want her to still be herself so it's I think a hard line to it's hard um, to
4: go on to a doctor for anxiety help and then have them prioritize sleep over it like what a bunch of crap is that you don't go to have your hand looked at and they decide to check out
2: your knee instead i mean that's just vulgar. i mean i think that the doctor's point of view is that like it's just not good for her overall health for her not to sleep so like this okay. is something that's really important to tackle and in helping the sleep it could help the anxiety because when i'm exhausted my anxiety is a lot worse than Me i too. like i know that yeah. like i've been going yeah. through that recently with losing my yes. mother because i'm a different type of exhausted right now and it's affecting my anxiety. It's making me constantly anxious. And I know it's from the exhaustion. I understand her point of view. I just don't necessarily agree with it. I think the anxiety is what causes her the most disruption. In her life. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what I was the sleep. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes it sucks and she's in a crappy mood when she doesn't sleep all well. like it happens, but like yeah. most of the time she's not, the mo- and she does like sleep a lot on the weekends, So it's like, she sleeps in on the weekends and I mean, I don't really go with that there of banking sleep, but if that's a thing, she kind of <laughs> like, so um, she just oh. can't fall asleep. It takes her, I mean, she'll be in bed for five hours before she falls asleep. Well, it, and it's, it's hard crazy.
1: to explain to like professionals that our children, of course, we don't know, especially with our kiddos that are nonverbal, how they're feeling on the inside, but like our kids can function with not having sleep for 24 hours mm-hmm. they're still bouncing around eating mm-hmm. snacks doing the thing you know
2: I mean she's not the same yeah as a you know like she's done it where she's she's many times recently she's gone to school being up all night also the best part of this whole thing was then the doctor looked at me and said I don't know if you know this but sleep issues is very common oh with God, autism actually, I'm <laughs> and I'm like Oh, (laughs) really? Hmm. I... (laughs) Wow, never, lame, it, like, never, heard of
0: that. <laughs> never heard
2: of that before. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't know that. I mean, it's just, I don't know. That's our journey. I mean, any doctor, I have a podcast for
1: you. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jen? Because I will tell you, not my favorite things you talk about, but I appreciate your perspective about medications and your journey through medications in an honest, open discussion about it. Because some of your writing about meds is, literally breathtaking sometimes. So tell us about how it went for Kaya with the medication.
0: Oh, meds. I want to start by saying kind of what Tabitha did in the beginning. When I speak, I speak of my experience. I have no judgment to anyone that has their children on meds. If they worked for my daughter, we would still be on them. So I want to just say that before I kind of passionately talk about how I feel. (laughs) Um, So my daughter has what I describe as debilitating anxiety. I often feel like that is sort of what kind of dictates our day is her anxiety. And so that's what led me down the medication path. We tried medical cannabis first and she was very reactive to a drop more, a drop less. And we just couldn't, it just was, it agitated her is really what happened. So that led us down um, prescription meds. And We tried med after med, and I feel what's very common, and when I talk about this again, this is just what I feel is an overall experience. It's very easy to ask for a med for your child. You just get prescribed meds, and if that med isn't working, then they increase the med or they change the med, and then they increase it, change it, to where my daughter was no longer recognizable physically or or mentally. She was just done, and over time, I watched... All of the things that led us towards the meds were actually increasing the behaviors. They were; It was increasing the aggression. Her screaming was off the charts. Her crying was off the charts. Like Kim said, she became a zombie. She was just a shell of herself. She slept most of the day away. When she was up, she was in a rage that is unexplainable. I know to the mamas listening, you understand. Uh, but to the outside world, they couldn't understand it. Until one day when she lunged at me, my phone flipped upside down and somehow it was recording it. And so I got 30 minutes of what was happening on video. And we were on a long wait list for psychiatrists and psychologists and all of the things that she was being referred to because her pediatrician was at a loss. He just didn't know how to help her anymore. Every med had been exhausted. Unfortunately, with all of the med changes, Kaya developed epilepsy which the lead neurologist at Vancouver Children's Hospital said it is very common. Children with autism are prone to have epilepsy or seizures, and these meds just bring it on for them. So then I watched this sort of kind of internal medical battle happen. So long story short, things had gotten so bad, you know, holes in the walls, physical aggression, everything was broken. Glass couldn't be out, knives couldn't be out. There was a 911 call at one time. In all of this, I drive her down into Vancouver to Children's Hospital, I remember I dropped to my knees and I'm like, somebody has to help me. Somebody's got to help my daughter. And the, you know, the poor little lady at reception, she's like doling out the Kleenex. And I was like, I need help. We need help. And all they did was increase her Prozac and send us on the way. And that was everything I kept getting met with, was a med change or a med increase or a med change or a med increase. And gotta remember, these are teeny tiny little people. Their brains aren't even fully developed yet. And so when I sit back now and I look at it, I'm, I'm very disgusted in what I see happen in the medical community. I see gross negligence in the fact that it's just a write a script if you need it kind of thing. So long story short is on all of these wait lists and this psychiatrist dropped out of the heavens. And in the meantime, my mother at one point said to me, what the hell are you doing to that little girl? Kaya went from grossly underweight to overweight. And it was just this physical change that happened with her mental change. And I was nervous because I was, I'm i not a doctor and I believed and listened to what they had me do. I got the psychiatrist on the phone. So we're gonna talk real quickly about the sleep um, real quick. And we're going through all the scenarios of all the reasons why. And he said, as you know, it is very common in children with autism. He said, but what is often forgotten by so many people, he's like, how do you feel when you don't sleep for two days? I'm a bit. He's like, imagine how your <laughs> child feels. He said, and that's often forgotten with these kids that they are so sleep deprived that everyone just assumes they're functioning fine. And yeah. in the reality is their body is not functioning fine. So he he actually did say all of this lack of sleep that our kids get gravely causes anxiety. So he said it's like this double-edged sword constantly with them. So anyway, as we're chatting, he opens up her file. Rachel, get your whistle ready. He actually said. What the f- is she doing on, this is a psychiatrist. He said, what the f- is this little girl doing on nine pills? She was on nine different medications. And he said, well, that's going to like, she needs to come off of these. And I'm crying and he's reading. He's like, what is she on this one for? What is she on this one for? And he's just like, and I'm not going to name the specific ones that he said weren't for anxiety, but it's a very common medication. And I hear in the autism world all the time that kids are put on. And this psychiatrist said, this isn't even an anxiety medication you know it's just such a common thing so as he took her off of these meds every single time a med would come out of her system she would start to slowly kind of come back to herself and then you can literally see it in pictures over a year's time her eyes went from groggy to bright and happy again and so in in speaking with him you know a lot of doctors throughout schizophrenia, a lot of doctors throughout bipolar, a lot of, all of these other diagnoses that were, they were trying to explain away what the medication was doing to her. And this specific psychiatrist, he said, I would never diagnose a child that young with any of those other conditions, unless it was such a clear cut, severe case, because these meds cause a lot of those symptoms but it's not actually schizophrenia or bipolar or whatever all of those other things are. And so he said, I won't even look at a kid until they're 15, through puberty, through all her first periods and all of those things. He said, I wouldn't even look at her for that stuff until then. So, so that was kind of our journey. It was, she was loaded in meds. She had this reaction. At one point when it was at the height of how bad it was, when she would wake up, she would sit on her bum and she would scoot backwards to the house screaming. It would shatter China. I mean, just screaming and scooting back. And I say this, I'm going to say this off the cuff, like a crazy, like somebody that was crazy, like somebody that was losing their mind. And and the psychiatrist said to me, yes, because every time one of those pills would come out of her little system, you had pop another one in her. And he said it was her body fighting against the meds because she didn't need all of those medications. And half of the ones they put her on And he said, a brain cannot, you cannot give a child a med, cut it back, increase it, cut it, increase it, change it, do this. He said, of course, she's going to act and react in those ways. It is her body's natural way of trying to fight the grogginess of what those meds were doing to her. So anxiety, it made it worse. Aggression, it made it 100% worse. Screaming, 100% worse. I mean, it couldn't have gotten any worse than it did at the height of her, her medication." So now we are two years clean of meds. And the psychiatrist said it would be a whole year to get all of those meds completely out of her system. And he did one at a time. And he did it very, very slowly. Because unless it's something like Kimmy, like we were talking about the other med, you just he's like, you just can't take kids off these meds. And just hey, let me minute.
2: let me be clear, let me clarify that. Alyssa was on that medication
0: just for yes. a couple of weeks. Yes. So she was not the medication. Yeah. yeah. She had been
2: on that medication for six months or a year. Yes. I would never, ever do that. I would keep, I would definitely tape her, tape down her because yeah. she was on it for a short enough amount of time that it was, yeah. it was not like unsafe to do it. So yeah. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. yeah. I do yeah. want yeah. try that. Don't try this at all, people. And, yeah, and here's a fun scientist. fact about this.
0: <laughs> Kaya has not had a seizure since she's been off all of her meds. Like her seizures stopped her epilepsy. It's she stopped. Now she and, still is on a medication for her epilepsy, which is also a mood stabilizer. So that was great. The psychiatrist also said maybe one of those meds mixed in there would have been okay for her, but because they were given on top of each other, increase, decrease, he said there was never any baseline for her to know where she was at. So I just say, I I wish I wouldn't have done it to her. I saw what it physically did to her and I have a lot of guilt about it. A lot of guilt.
2: And I remember you saying this and other moms saying this too, that like, it would be like, you would think that the medication was wearing off and that's why that's where the aggression and the anger would come from right and then um yes. the psychiatrist said it was it's their what like their brain
0: fighting against yeah, the med she was raging so he said yeah she'd pass out from the meds she'd wake up you give her more pills and she would just rage i mean you could like clockwork you could time it from the time she took her meds well so- feeling
1: out of control in your body and i think this is common not just with kids with autism but people who seek mental health treatment or you know, you have to try a bunch of meds, and so yeah. they do do like this med, and then you have a symptom from the med, and then they give you a medication for the symptom of the for med, the which yeah.
0: recreates yeah. another.
1: So I will say problem. You know, I
0: I don't think I've ever appreciated my mother so much as I as I did for her, really, for pushing me on the meds. Everything else she can back off, but the meds, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Alexandra, the meds. Thank you. Everything else well wait. sometimes you see things clearer a little bit from the outside you know well I mean? she could yeah. also see what was happening i mean she yeah. could she would come over here we'd always we can't always had sunday dinner we'd walk in the house at noon and kai would go right to the couch and be asleep till we left at five and she was never even awake when she was awake she was raging otherwise she was sleeping i mean it's just a terrible existence it was terrible it was it was terrible what what she went through so something doesn't feel right follow your gut or listen to your mother
1: And there might be one medication that does the fix, not fixes, but helps the problem. Yeah. If that works for your kid, you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, But I do find what happens is they end up, a lot of kids just become this zombie like existence. But it's really because they just keep, they they just just pow meds on people so easily now. It's just such a. Our kids
1: cannot say, I'm feeling, a lot of our kids, not all of our, our kids, but they can't say, I'm feeling. Weird in my head, or I feel tired, overly tired, or yeah. it turns into like rage or anger or whatever other behaviors start to surface because the communication is difficult.
0: And then I had our follow up call, just so I'll wrap it with this, with the, a different neurologist actually. And he was like doing the checklist of meds, and I was like, nope, she's only on. I can't, it's <laughs> Rachel, how do you say it? I call it Diva That's not it. That, yeah. Um, so the neurologist is like, what do you mean? She's not on XYZS said, she's a different kid. He's like, you're telling me she's better off with XYZ said, that's exactly what I'm telling you, sir. And he was like, couldn't believe she was off of that. Like he was just so taken aback by it. Yeah. So we did not have a good experience. It,
1: uh, yes. If you want to read more, there's many, not many, a variety of posts, where Jen has written about her medication journey that I love. So go check those out on her page. Yes. Rachel Flanagan, you're up, lady, with the medication journey. How did has it gone? Or what's the story for Celie Flanagan?
0: Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, friend.
4: Cheers. Yeah. Let's just take a moment of silence. <laughs> no, listen, I'm showing this to my favorite friends here. I just want to let you know that I've been making these notes while we've been talking. We have had, that's one page listeners, one page of full notes. We've had a journey with men. I will say, I know that I talked about this all. My disclaimer is not necessarily, I mean, do you, that's how I feel. You're going to do the best you can. You're going to access the people that you can. You know, if there was a time in our life when we didn't have access to ABA or other therapeutic programs to sort of help my daughter learn to regulate. In those times we had to, we used medication to see mm-hmm. if we could help slow things down a little for her. I'll go through all of that. But the point is that you're just, you just have to do the next best thing, right? If your kid is running out of school into streets and slowing them down by using a stimulant to help retained focus so they don't use the door. Great. Like if that's the best you can do at the time. So like th- we entered meds for a variety of different reasons is kind of what I'm saying. And moreover, Celie's diagnosis is both autism, mental health, and, you know, because of her exposure in utero to different substances and alcohol, she has a different body chemistry and a different like physical body, like it's, there's not connections where there should be. So it's no surprise that meds don't work just as they should on label for this child. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, we started with um, Ritalin. We felt that it brought more aggression, which I know that I've discussed in other episodes before in hindsight, I in hind, hind, hindsight. Yeah. And that I don't know that really Ritalin made my daughter aggressive. Probably that was just the window into her aggression. My kid's aggressive, pretty aggressive over the history. Anyways, from there, we went to Risperidone to slow things down. From there, Clonidine and Olanzapine. From there, we added Prozac and all these other things. We've really been in a lot of the different buckets, so to speak, of medication, like SSRIs and these and these and these. Anyway, I'll say that... Celie started meds at four she turned five during the beginning of the pandemic so most of this journey was all of the meds were stacked up by this incredible pediatrician Gretchen who we love she was able to go really fast with us because we could see that it didn't work or we had to add this in like there was always a cocktail of meds moving around she went so quickly because we were in like fight or flight constantly and so it wasn't necessarily that we had the pleasure of doing like a strip like Jen was describing where you do one and three months later you move down again and move down again and then it's stripped out. We had to like figure out a way to get her safe.
0: Well, I wanna be clear. It wasn't an easy glow ride down. It was as each one came out, it was harder down until she'd be out. So it was like- I do totally understand. You that. what I mean? It was, it was no joy ride it was hard yeah. hard
4: yeah and and what I mean is that we were going at inpatient pace but the patient was at my house <laughs> and we had to keep doing that because we were having to try a different bucket of meds like a different category is what I mean anyhow after that was not working super well we sought out uh, an opinion at the Mayo Clinic we thought that if Seely couldn't communicate what was going awry That we should be checking on the systems in a medical perspective, like an EEG, like a sleep study, like see if there's anything going awry that the meds wouldn't fix on their own. We ended up getting to a psychiatrist who sort of helped us to do a huge med strip, which was a lot safer, a different timeline, and terrible. (laughs) Several times we've done those, and where she's almost off of everything. Currently, Celie's on medical cannabis, a medication called propranolol. Both of those are twice a day. And then she also takes trazodone at night. She is, for the first time in seven years, sleeping consistently, which is remarkable. Yes.
1: Amen to that. I was, whoop, whoop. No, but yeah, but I was on mute. Yeah. No, we were, whoop, we whoop. don't, we, we don't want to do it too loud for the you know, universe purposes.
0: <laughs> and actually knock on some wood, ma'am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. Right, yeah. here, right here. Someone I got knock, it. Knock I got it. I got yeah. it. Right. So the thing that it is, is like
4: in that journey though, in the different ups and downs of meds, what we saw consistently as Celie's parents, and we both had a different lens about this, but we both agreed that there was so much regression, both in terms of skill set and also in terms of her withdrawal. Like she was just with so withdrawn and so in her own space and so aggressive so often that it was almost like the time she wasn't fighting, she was recovering from the last bout of aggression so it's just been terrible that said she's as balanced as she's ever been we're on week 11 of the same medications the same milligrams It's literally never amazing happened.
1: amazing
4: but that's week 11 that's not like month six so we'll we'll see we'll see it but I'm proud yeah we did a lot of like homeopathics and oils and all this other stuff on the way to Ritalin that we still kind of include there's been some magnesium to help sleep or melatonins don't work for her we used to have her drink Benadryl back before that made her crawl walls I mean and it, now too, we thought the, we needed a blow dart and suddenly we needed foster care
1: <laughs> well and the other thing with Celie too is she had a huge physical transformation kind of like what Jen was talking about with with Kaya and the meds is like if you look back at a picture of her from a year ago even it's pretty substantially mind-blowing. As the meds were coming out, the changes in her body were like dramatic. Well, and,
4: her- and, and it's the same is true for the climb. Yeah. If, if you aren't familiar with Flannaville or you're just a listener of ours, meaning you don't know the, our, the view of our kids, Celie went from a size 4 or 5 in little girls' clothes all the way up to a women's size medium within one year's time. Like it was, we jumped sizes. It was insanity, but we were trying to get safe. And so her weight had less to do, like her weight was less of a concern of ours at the point of trying to survive this life. Then when the med stopped, we specifically stopped metformin, which is used for many, many different things, but it's said to keep weight down. When we stopped that, we stopped olanzapine at the same time. And those two in combination created such... A culture and a habit and a like a yearning to eat. Like habit was set. Like she she had this need to impulsively eat. Anyway, she has dropped back down to like a size five six. It is the most insane thing. Children's children's size five six from a woman's medium. Yeah, just mind-blowing. But now she's faster because she's smaller. She's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: (laughs) our kids are fast. (laughs) They're so fast. Well, I think Jamie and I have similar timeframes for our kids being the younger ones on this podcast. What has been your experience, if any,
3: with meds, Jamie? So we've never done meds consciously, very consciously. I think it's like partly what people are comfortable with, what... They grew up around what, if they're on medications themselves, my experience alone with, I've never been on a, like a prescription medication outside of like something specifically for a procedure or while pregnant or something temporary. And I've always either overreacted to meds or underreacted. Mm-hmm. Like I've never had like an amazing, like this was a perfect fit, but at the same time, I've never been on like a long-term antidepressant or anything like that but even like with like birth control simple things like that my body's always been really weird with so I have a weird feeling about meds for myself so that's probably affected how I see it for my child and the same thing with my husband so we've always had an age in mind that if we needed to go to meds we wanted our son to at least be that age for developmental reasons for different things but all be that said, I don't judge anyone for doing meds. And if something had gotten to the place where you choose between sacrificing the reaction to that med or the side effects of that med because what it's treating is so hard and so bad, then you do that. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
3: we've there have been times we've gotten, I've been like, okay, we've got to do something about this. I think sleep is probably the closest thing we ever got to meds for like Rachel's saying we've tried every natural thing like now we're at a place where like we're okay we're in a rhythm of sleep I it's still not ideal but we've have figured something out that has helped and with helping that like we've talked about before that has helped a little bit with his anxiety but it is kind of like we're always at like this uh, fragile walking on eggshells state Mm -hmm. because like if something's missed. If something causes less sleep, then like, we're going to go through like a, a month of yeah. raised anxiety, like sleep issues. We got more sleep issues, like stuff like that. So we choose to do that. And that's how we kind of function. And maybe meds would help. Maybe I'm making the wrong decision, but as of right now, we're not doing anything um besides like, I mean, he, and like when Kimmy's talking, I'm like, man, Jesse would be so great because like, he takes allergy medicine, like nightly. He takes it so well.
0: I, I got,
3: His allergies were acting up really bad. And I had never had to have him swallow a pill, but now he's old enough to take like the adult version of allergy pill. And that's all I had on me. And I got him to swallow the pill. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, my kid would be a champ at taking it. <laughs> I haven't got there yet, but I don't judge anyone for doing meds. Like your journey, your journey. And honestly, like Jen, At the beginning, like when we got diagnosed with autism, I had heard before about autism medication, which I think is risperidone, was like deemed the autism medication. So like I have talked to moms who are older than me that live in my area and they're like, oh yeah, if your kid was diagnosed with autism, you were prescribed that. Like that's just how it was. By the time we got diagnosed, that wasn't, they were more pushing ABA and different therapies and stuff like that. But if I had been those moms and they're like, this is just what you do. I probably would have gone along with it. I didn't it the know. The first meds
0: she was put on was risperidone. Yeah. yeah.
3: So like if if I hadn't learned from like Jen's journey or watching other people go through like kind of crazy med journeys, I I probably, I could have just been like, oh, well, this is what the expert's saying. And so never has anyone pushed meds on us in any which way. They've always been very trepidatious of it. So I think that's helped me as well. Be like, okay, I this is something I really need to think out. So I
0: don't know.
2: Well, and I do, like I asked her psychiatrist about putting her on Prozac because that is a medication that I've heard. I've read that sometimes it helps with language. I've heard of other moms having success with that for anxiety. And it also is one of the meds that are used for OCD. And they were like, no, we, we do not give SSRs here for Jen's
3: raising her hand at every med <laughs> yes, they said
2: they do not um, recommend SSRs for treatment for autism in their clinic, in their experience it has you know led to increased behaviors and side effects so they start with something that's a very low dose anxiety med not an ssr and i was like okay
3: i will say this too and like once again i am not judging anyone but in the beginning i think it's such a fragile time for parents Mm, if you had told me there was a pill that would fix my child before i realized what autism meant that i realized that my child is who he is there's no cure I would have been all over that pill. So like, I know Jen had it some where someone literally is like, pick whatever pills you want, like laid out. I would have been like, okay, what's going to help my kid? What do we, you are trying, like, there's so many things in the beginning, like we're signing our kids up for this therapy. We're getting in this and this, because there's such this thing that we've talked about at the beginning. There's such this push to fix your kid immediately that like, I think a lot of people jump into this med game because that's what the culture is around them surrounding autism. And you can't blame them for that. That's how we all start our journey. Mine just didn't start that way with medication being part of that. Mine was like oils everywhere, everything else, reading about every probiotic under the sun. So I get why people go that direction. And I get why some people we have friends that like meds have literally changed their lives. Yes, changed yes. their yes. kids' life. Yeah, and,
2: and there are children. Yes. That, I mean, we don't have a great experience between me and Jen, but there are people that have great experiences with meds, and yep.
0: they are yep. a game
2: changer and they really help their children. So yes. you really just don't. It's like a seesaw.
0: You really just don't know if I, it's going to help or not. I will say real quick, Jamie, when you mentioned risperidone, I actually Kaya's original pediatrician. We had a blowout about that one because my doctor prescribed it to her to hold her over till I could get an appointment. He said it should be the last resort ever given to a little kid. It is the hardest medication in their system, but yet it's so easily given out. I was handed a chart. What is she not taking? Pick from the chart. It was color coded. I'm not kidding. Oh it was my It's a color coded medication chart. Yeah.
3: But as an adult, when you get on a med, I just think this is interesting. Is you're giving so many warnings.
0: Yes. If
3: you transition off a of med, they're like, okay, give it this much time. But it just seems for
0: a lot of these kids, they're like, whatever. <laughs> and the one thing the psychiatrist and I, I, I'm sorry, I keep going back to him. He said to me, "There is no pill for autism. Yeah. There is no pill for autism. She is going to have these behaviors the rest of her life. You just have to learn how." to manage them and work with her in them. But there's no pill that's going to take any of this away. I was like, and
2: the, oh, thing oh, what the thing that oh, was that for a long time, it was the only med. I think there's only one other med that it's actually medically cleared for use for autism. There are plenty of other meds that you can use for symptoms, for anxiety, for sleep, for, you know, they treat the symptoms. It's not treating the autism. And that is the reason. And the reason is I think because of the aggression and the self-injury that can be very very severe in some individuals yes. so severe that they're hurting themselves hurting others and it just that medication does work for that because it kind of brings you it levels you down so it's like you're not as prone to you know use those behaviors and that's why I think in the past that was like the go-to one because of aggression and self-injurious behaviors and some people swear by it some people say that it it works it, it makes a huge difference, but you know, it is a heavy duty med. It is antipsychotic. Mean, yeah. It probably shouldn't be the first medication you try. I mean, that's just—I don't have a degree on my wall. That's just my opinion. Well, I know, <laughs> Kimmy, we do go to you for all
0: CDC things. <laughs> um, the other thing I'll say real quick is—and I've talked about—I have um, clinically diagnosed severe OCD. I shower compulsively. It's one of my things. I don't like. Everyone knows how I am here at the table. I was given Prozac for my OCD. And it actually, I had the same, it, it, my mom said to me, don't you remember, Jennifer, you were hitting your head. You were screaming. I was pulling my hair. I was losing my mind. So Kaya, like you, Jamie, we, I, I don't think it's the same thing. I couldn't take the pill. I just don't react well to meds. Mm-hmm. So medications, my body doesn't process them. And so my daughter definitely got that from me. She didn't get my toes or my face, but she got my pill taking
2: <laughs> well and they and they do say that if there's a medication that works well for a parent that is a medication that typically could work well for your child not, it's Biology. not always it's not always yeah. but it's it, it is a thing that not just i'm not talking about for autism saying for anything so if there's a medication that worked for say you for depression and your child has depression they would go to a lot of doctors will go to that medication first because there is some there is some truth to it. I have medication anxiety, so medication gives me anxiety. It takes me like three months if I get put on a medication to even take it. My doctor's like, Did "You just not taking it yet?" I'm like, "No, not yet." And she's like,
0: "Well," you I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I will." Rachel and I, you know, not Rachel and I, Seely and Kaya had very similar things on their med journey. But I mean, you look at Seely, and Rachel's not kidding when she says a blow, like a blow dart. I mean, this kid. I, I mean, it would have knocked an elephant out to sleep, but not her. I mean, so it just shows you how her body wasn't. Just the meds were so different in her than they would pee in an elephant. <laughs>
4: yeah. One, th- I'm like over here with tears in my eyes. One of the things that I really want people to understand, if you're looking up this episode because you want to learn about meds or you want to hear about it or whatever, there may be somebody who's listening needs to hear this. I went down a two-year journey with my kid about meds. Like we were on a quest and actually three, it's been three years. She started at four. When you go to a doctor As a Rachel, like I'm just like a hairdresser, just a first-time mom, just doing Sealy life, like the thing. You go to a doctor, they ask you all these questions, you report the concerns. Again, we all know, like, I didn't know that I was in a field of red flags. I was just there for the party. Like, I had no idea what we were dealing with. Like, I didn't know what was atypical. In time, I began to talk about these safety issues or whatever. We had a daycare lady. We've already talked about how that lady couldn't talk to us about specifics. We had people that we were asking opinions of. They were, we were getting lots of like, oh, she's just busy or whatever. (laughs) So when I would go to a doctor trying to focus on what the F this problem is, or I'm explaining, this is really how our day is. Watch this video or check out this thing or let me roll up my sleeves and show you my bruises and my arms. And why don't you see like just this, all the the sleep journal, my kids slept two to four hours a day for years, most days. So I took these problems to an appointment of any variety, psychiatrist or white coat or like wretch. They would consult with me. I would understand that we were going to try this thing. It might work at this time, there was no access to therapies. There's no access to ABAs. We're on a wait list. There's no access to skills worker to come into my house because there wasn't any of that. It's not accessible. So I have a huge amount of guilt because my daughter went from a size four, five to a size women's medium and back down to a size six to where her body's supposed to be. My kid was so disconnected that she, you couldn't see blue in her eyes anymore. Her whole body changes when she's in this go dark rage. Now that does still happen. It does still happen. I get it. Like she's, she has aggression still, but the amount of guilt that I feel or felt felt because I'm working on it for putting my kid through that because it was me going to the doctors asking for help and the doctors can't refer us to any help that is services. So they refer us to a tablet for her to take, I, not an iPad, a pill for her to take. This is just the road we were on. It's just, we were doing the next best
2: thing. If I may interject, Keep fighting. Um, Keep. you are not a doctor though. You do not go to school. You do not write prescriptions. Yeah. So that is not your fault. That responsibility does not lay on you. That responsibility lays on the doctor.
4: And that's what I'm trying to bring up to the people, because I know that I wasn't alone in that.
2: And I know that it
4: feels personal. And I know that Jen and I, having had Celie and Kaya have such a terrible journey for such a long stretch, the guilt is enormous, but really, truly I was doing the next best thing. And I was bringing her to the, the best people. And I was, I still, we still see some of those people. It's just like, you got to check all these boxes to get from one thing to another, to another. And it takes a long time even if your kid's going to manage meds well, to balance the right doses of things. And then guess what? They poop and they're three pounds lighter and then you're jacked up for the day, slightly overdosed. (laughs) Then they grow four inches, slightly underdosed. You're never going to be easy peasy balanced from
2: at least my view. What about you, Tabitha? What are your feelings about medication? I'm kind of similar
1: to Jamie. I always have like my own personal body is very susceptible to medication. So when Nixon was born we had a terrible experience and they put me on this medication and it was like basically overdosing me on the meds because of the way that my body processes medication. And that's been a lifetime thing, you know, like I can take one ibuprofen instead of two and it still does the job or whatever. So I'm cautious with medication. I also come from a background of a family full of addiction history. So I'm cautious about barbiturates or uh, for my own self, just, cautious, even getting my wisdom teeth pulled or anything like that. I generally don't even end up taking the full prescription just because of my own anxiety about that kind of thing. And then I understand a lot about the forming of the brain and, you know, I'm a nerd about how the brain functions and how these medications affect your brain because of my bachelor's degree and addiction degree and all that stuff. So generally I'm cautious when it comes to being prescribed medication for my own self or for others. And I do think that we have a culture that, um, over the, over prescribes, you know, I went in for like a back issue one time and they wanted to give me like uh, muscle relaxers and all kinds of things. I'm like, but really what's the issue with my back? Like, I don't need medication. Yeah. I don't have That's a back true. problem. Like what is the problem with my back? Don't just prescribe me the holdover medication. Like, and it turned out that it was like a significant, it wasn't even a back issue. It was a liver issue because I, I was, or a kidney issue because I was having a severe UTI that, you know, whatever. I think that often it's easy to prescribe a medication to treat the symptoms instead of the root cause of what is happening. That's my personal opinion. Would I be against medication for my kids? No, they aren't on anything and they haven't taken anything. We haven't even tried melatonin at this point, the first go-to for sleep. I have myself taken prescription medication for my own mental health. And I'm not against meds in that capacity. I think you have to find the right one. I think it takes a lot of work to find the right one that works. I think you have to go through a gamut of things first. And it really depends on the person. So for my kids, especially because their communication isn't something that I could ask them about how they're feeling or what's going on with their body or are they sleeping better or not or whatever, I would be cautious about putting them on any type of prescription medication, especially at their ages at this point. So for us, we haven't tried anything, but I'm not against meds. I think meds can for sure change a person's life if you find the right one, especially for mental health and co-occurring conditions. I think autism is very complicated with the brain. And a lot of our kids have anxiety paired with autism, whether that's a part of autism or separate, it's there living, breathing in a lot of our kids. And maybe medication would help with that. A lot of our kids don't sleep for extended periods of time. Sometimes you need meds to shut off your brain because of the world around you. You know, Basically what it boils down to is I think every person should do their research, A on whatever medication their child or themselves is going to be put on. You should ask questions and not necessarily take just a written prescription or two or three from a doctor because they're sitting in front of you and, you know, do what's right for you and your kid. If you see something that doesn't feel right, you don't have to stay on a medication because someone's telling you, you should, you know, if it's- On the other
4: hand, Google this word, titrating, fill in the blank, down.
1: Yeah, diet down. Also listen to the professionals when it comes to increasing One thing
0: I do, or I decreasing. Decreasing. Them. One thing I do want to mention real quick is I was like, you know, Rachel said she was uh, grateful to their providers and I was very grateful to Kaya's pediatrician. We still see him. Um, and, and we did get to a point where he's like, I don't know what to do for her. I mean, he was yeah. literally, he wasn't doing it to harm her. He just, so her, doc, her pediatrician specializes in children with autism And and teenagers with mental health conditions. So he's that he's it's he's not just some Joe Blow trying to figure out. I mean, he really probably knows more about autism than any professional I've ever met because it's literally all he does all day is treat children on the spectrum. But he he even said he's like, "I, I don't know what to do with her. I mean, it was. But I was very thankful in the time for the emails in the middle of the night and the responses in the morning and the prescriptions called in and you know, we were desperate. Like it was a pandemic for us. I think that kind of spun everybody upside down, especially, you know, our kids at just the next level. So,
1: well, and I think too, like it is chemistry. So it's chemistry of the body. It's chemistry of the medication. It's chemistry of how you metabolize medication. It's not an exact science when it comes to medication. Yeah. Figure out the right dose. You have to figure out the right timing of the dose. You have to figure out how the person processes that medication. And generally they know how it works or functions in in the brain for the general scope of things, but it's very individualized when they're, especially when we're talking about mental health prescription medication or.
0: yeah, I I just found his card. He's also the clinical professor at UBC faculty of medicine. I mean, this dude couldn't get any more qualified to treat my daughter yeah so that just shows you I mean well and what I was getting at with the overprescribed
1: is that I just think we're in this culture of 100% agree not looking at the cause the root cause of what is happening instead we look at what are the symptoms of what's happening and I think that's across the board not just in the medication realm especially for our kids but what is happening around instead of let's treat the symptom Let's not treat the symptom. Let's figure out what the whole picture looks like and then
2: a solution to that problem. And Anyway, that's my rant. Then you throw in autism and that yep. just complicates every aspect, facet of it. There's still just so much that they don't know.
1: And from our podcast, what we're saying is we root you on if medication works for your kiddos. That yes. is fantastic. And we're happy that you're on the right path. If you don't do meds, that's okay too. So do you
2: as Rachel would say,
0: and if you're in the trenches with them, we got you there too. It does get better. It
2: does get better.
1: better. And you might just land on the right thing, the right milligrams or the right medication, do what's right for you. If you want to know more about medication, we're happy to talk about it. There's a lot of variety of medication. Send us questions. People send us questions. We can definitely
2: revisit. Maybe we can have somebody on too, who has a successful medication.
1: (laughs) Or who knows more about the science behind medication, because we're just people talking about our experience with meds in
3: general. Thank you, everybody. Thank you you you. Bye. Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode of the Table for Five No Reservations podcast. Join us next Monday for more. And while you wait, make sure to check out our content on Facebook and Instagram. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you listen. To contact us, you can email us at tablefor5podcasts at gmail.com. We can't wait to sit with you again. See you next time.